Hello and welcome to the Retech Podcast. My name is Stu Pringle and I am your host. I'm on a mission to chat with interesting people who are doing good things in renewables and technology. Why does that matter? Well, without new thinking and innovation, as an industry, renewable energy production is not going to hit the lofty goals it has been set. In each podcast, I'll be chatting with people in the industry who are doing their bit to help drive change. And this time on the Retech podcast, um, I'm pleased to welcome Felicity Jones from Calusa. Felicity, hello. Hello. Hi. We finally um, got the dates to work. I know we had a few goals at this one, but we got there in the end. So let's make yeah. it a good one. Um, Felicity, I always like to um, start by uh, giving uh, our listeners a little bit of background about the guest. So I'd be really interested to understand a little bit more about you, um, what perhaps you did in your early days and how you ended up um, working in the energy sector. Yeah, sure. So um, I I graduated in the financial crisis in, in 2009, which was a really, really tough job market. Nobody was, was hiring, really. Um, but then in just it was just the time when the solar feeding tariffs were being launched so and and it was like at the time this is like quite revolutionary you know government was saying we'll pay you to generate um solar energy and we'll pay you extra if you you export it too and that really kicked off the solar rooftop market um and a job came up locally and i i went for it and i kind of immediately when i started i was like yes this is this is the sector for for me it just feels really high impact it feels really important and it's technically really interesting um so you know partly it's a story i suppose of the power of um, like government and macroeconomic environment, but also just just luck, really, of, of finding something that that really I was excited by. Um, so that was kind of where it started, and since then I worked in. I started off, I suppose, after that in offshore renewables. Um, had a spell in Asia, um, and about seven years ago, um, got into batteries, um, and that was with Everose. And I set up and grew our battery storage business. Really amazing company, like employee owns. Really quite. Um, revolutionary in their in their way um, in terms of like being self-managed um, and then a couple of months ago um, I joined Kaluza um, and now I'm working in domestic flex so I've always suppose I suppose I've tried to be at the kind of cutting edge of clean energy I really like the new stuff so I always kind of try to move with the where the innovation is Cool. What a great intro. Okay, excellent. Definitely. I feel, feel like we definitely know each other now, so that's good. Um, so, like you say, you, you, you moved to Calusa only a few months ago, because in fact, when we were first in touch, it was even before, before the Calusa days. So, yeah. um, tell us a little bit about Calusa. What do they do and what's your bit of the empire there? Sure. Okay. Um, so, uh, Calusa is, we are a team of about 450 people we're spread across five offices internationally and what we do is we're a real-time cloud platform for energy suppliers or for utilities and we're all about enabling decarbonization so there are kind of two two parts of the business there's the um the kind of retail side which is all about enabling 
metered to cash operations, so things like metering and billing for energy suppliers. Yeah. But I sit in the flex side. Um, so, uh, and, and perhaps maybe I can best explain what flex does by, by kind of telling you a bit about my role. So I'm solutions lead for flex, which means that I run customized demos for energy suppliers and I, and I design solutions. So for instance, Stuart, if you were working in energy supplier and you, you come to Kaluza and you say, I want to launch a new EV tariff or an EV managed program, you'd come to us. We can support that end-to-end -end journey so we can do the customer research. We've got an optimization engine to figure out things like the best time to charge your car. We can connect to devices. So, for instance, we can charge your car automatically. We can provide the customer app. Um, and my job as solutions lead is to figure out which modules you might need, um, figure out how that integrates into your system and solve problems like, you know, what price curves are we going to feed into that optimization engine? Um, so I really like it. It's, it feels it's cutting edge. It's technical. It's commercial. It's high impact. And people, everybody I work with is super excited about what we're doing. So it's, you know, it's really motivating place to be. That sounds yeah. amazing. And I can see the big grin on your face. <laughs> we are in the right place for sure. Yeah. Um, and within that flex piece, um, something that you and I have been chatting about before today is this idea of um, vehicle to everything. Can you just explain? Because this is all a bit new. I pulled my hand up. I didn't know much about this until we started chatting. So, yeah, sure. Um, so, so I suppose let's start with the basics. So, so if you think of a typical electric vehicle, an EV, um, you know, typically it might be parked ninety percent of the time, say on average. Um, and it's also got a battery which could store, say, 40 kilowatt hours, which is enough to, to power a home for two days. Yeah. So, so, of course, the primary use is as a car, you know, for mobility. But it also you've got this fantastic battery that's there that we can use to support the grid. And that can be great for decarbonisation primarily you know we can we can charge up your car um, when it's low carbon um, and we can also save money from an infrastructure reinforcement perspective we can reduce the risk of power outages there's lots of applications and I suppose the, the traditional way of charging your car is, is like with one-way smart charging. So that's just kind of importing um, to charge your battery. But with vehicle to grid, V to G, um, we can go bi-directional and we can export to the grid at times when that's really helpful for the grid. And then we can even um, or also um, use it to power your home. So that would be V to H, vehicle to home. Um, so it's it's really about thinking how can we make the most of the value of this battery and to do that in a way that's great for the grid and which also saves customers money too. Okay and how much yeah. of this is, is happening now and how much is kind of coming down the pipeline? So we've just um, well we've we've run um, the world's largest demonstrator of vehicle to grid that was with about three hundred customers and we did that with Ovo energy supplier yep. um, with Indra and with Nissan as well so um, in in a way it's a 
um, innovation stage, but it's fast commercialising, I, I would say. Um, and we we have just announced that we, we're going to be working with VW in, in terms of doing a follow on to try and scale this more widely. Amazing. OK. And, yeah. and you mentioned earlier about the tra traditional charges. For this to happen, does it need a new kind of charger? Is there sort of local infrastructure changes? And yeah, yeah, you're right. So this is where I suppose some of the challenges are. Yeah. Um, so what do you need to, for V2G? You need to have a bi-directional charger. So you need a charger with the kind of right capability. You need a car that's enabled for for V2G as well. Um, and you know, at the moment. It's 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 a small number, but kind of growing. So a lot of auto OEMs have announced that they're they're intending to kind of roll out V2X capability, but it's still kind of in, in progress. Um, and then there's also, you know, in each country, in each market, there are kind of local grids connection or interconnection kind of issues as well so there's yeah there's there's a lot of kind of enabling things that we need to get in place to, to scale this up but i think it's moving in the right direction yeah and i you know mm. given given the cost of energy and everything that's going at the moment anything that can help the situation is a good thing yeah absolutely so so in our trial on average, people were saving £420 a year. I mean, that's pretty phenomenal. I'd take that. <laughs> um, so, um, uh, yeah, I think there's real, you know, there's evidence there that there's real value on, on the table here. And how does it work? You know, so I, I'm just thinking from the car driver's perspective, making sure that they don't get caught out. You know, you get up in the morning and actually today I've got a long drive. I'm going, I'm going. 200 miles i need i need my full charge before i leave how do you oh so, that's yeah how, this, so is there like an algorithm that checks trends of the usage and yeah yeah great question so so i suppose as part of the setup you'll set your state of charge preferences so what's your target um maximum state of charge what's your um minimum state of charge that you're happy with because uh, you know you might want to have some spares that if there was an emergency journey that you're able to do that so you kind of set your your preferences kind of up front in 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 the app and you can change those but i suppose specifically that for the scenario you're you're talking about what you would do in the app is you would set your ready by time um, so you would say do you know what i need my car ready by 8 a.m tomorrow say for your long journey and so what we do at calusa is we take in real-time market price kind of signals um, we might take in things like grid constraint data um, and we would and we would also of course like prioritize your your preferences to make sure that your car is ready at the right time and so we would kind of optimize the charging of that car so that we can that it's being charged at the lowest price lowest carbon time um so that you that you don't need to track that so we kind of take that headache away from you but you're, you're absolutely right like i think of course you can and i do get excited about like the power of like cars as batteries but the absolute number one priority is can you Stuart use that car when you need it for your drive and that's always like the very first thing that we prioritize okay. and you say that can be sort of manually yeah. set in the app so I could have a threshold like you know in case suddenly because you know 
exactly yeah. leave unexpectedly so that there's there's kind of that baseline built yeah in. you're always in control and you can always override anything if something suddenly came came up so um yeah that's really important and 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 that's something that's come through strongly in user research as well people need to firstly they need to kind of trust what we're doing sure. but also they need to feel like they're in control as well so um yeah really important what other things came in sort of through the research what other sort of trends did you see from the the, the, the tests that you've done so far yeah um it's good good question i think i think for me one one interesting area is is what's the role of auto OEMs in this space and like and quite how important it is for us to bring energy suppliers and utilities and that auto OEM world together. Yeah. So, um, you know, we talked earlier about how at the moment there aren't many V2G enabled cars on the market. That is changing. Um, but uh, but but that needs to happen but like if if you think about it like when when a customer gets their their ev you know you have this kind of moment you know they 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 order it they have to probably wait a long time for it to be delivered they get yes. their ev and and it's at that moment when they've they you know at that point of purchase or soon after where they're really excited about their new car and they're really keen to explore different things like electricity tariffs um and so it's the auto oems who are kind of there at that early stage who can introduce customers to like different ways of charging their vehicle i think they're they've got this really influential like um position at the start of that kind of journey in the kind of metaphorical sense i suppose um and but, but it's also a challenge for us because like that mobility world and that energy world has historically been like relatively separate so i think like a, a bigger picture reflection for me is is how do we work more closely together um so that customers get on the the tariffs that are great for decarbonization great for the grid and also going to save them money too yeah i mean that that, that yeah. point is super compelling and i think you're yeah. right this this lives or dies on the oem's involvement um and not just lip service from them they need to do the do here to make to make this happen with you but if you've got vw next up for the next yeah absolutely and we're doing some pretty interesting stuff there um with with vw which is you know what we've done today is with um chad the chadamo kind of charging standard um but most cars in the uk and this is increasingly the case use a ccs charging standard so what we're doing with vw is doing vehicle to grid and vehicle to home with the CCS standard. So this is going to be the key to scale, to, to, to enable like mass market rollout in the longer term. So um, yeah, I think there's some really great examples of auto OEMs really innovating in this space. Excellent. Okay. Um, Felicity, I know you spent a lot of your time in, in your career in, in batteries. So just coming out from the, 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 the V2G conversation, but just, you know, that whole battery storage piece in, in general, you know, it really fascinates me because, you know, we're building all these wind farms, and we're building all this extra capacity, but 
given what's happening with what happens daily and weekly on the grid, if we can't store energy effectively, um, you know, a lot, a lot, there's a lot of wastage. Um, what, what do you see as kind of some of the, the big sort of challenges facing the, the storage market in, in general? So, so I think a really key thing for battery storage, in a way, it's the same challenge as what we had right when I started out in 2015, 2016. It's, it's how do you stack value streams um, to to make the most of these incredibly versatile assets. Um, so if you think of, you know, say a renewables project, at least historically, you know, it's really clear that renewables are all about generation. Okay, you can do a few things around the margin, but it's primarily about generating green kilowatt hours. Yeah. Um, battery storage, of course, way more versatile. Um, you, you can do services for um, the energy system operator. You can provide constraint management services for a DNO. You can play in different kind of imbalance markets, capacity markets. You've got all this versatility and and the problem that that battery storage faced back in 2016 was you know how do you stack this up to have a viable revenue stack and i think that's still fundamentally what a lot of the challenge is about today but but in a market context where there is a lot more volatilities there's there's a lot more money to be made and kind of a need for this 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 kind of flexibility um and where it's kind of more fast moving so um the way to optimize those assets is like really kind of dynamically and in, in an agile way interesting yeah. come on you know this stuff what 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 should change or what exasperates you what do you see happening in the market and you think come on we can do better yeah um i'm going to take it in a direction you might not expect so so i i actually think that that although i'm a huge technology enthusiast i think it's becoming more and more important for us to think about how do we make our energy transition inclusive um uh, and i and i think you know the early days of decarbonization it was primarily about like technology innovation things like fantastic innovations well you know more than me about like offshore wind and how it's got bigger and bigger and more efficient um you know bigger um solar farms bigger batteries um also the tech work that we're doing in Calusa with with evs but as we enter this next stage of decarbonization it's going to involve behavior change and it's going to need people to be bought into the process and and i think we need to make sure that people aren't left behind in this um and i think there's some really important organizations doing work in this area so center for sustainable energy cse based in bristol where i'm, I'm a trustee has been trying to really explore this this question how we make the energy transition yes smart but also fair um and 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 also i think community energy groups have got a role to play here i'm i'm involved with bath and west community energy and i think um organizations like that can do a lot to build trust in in what is going to be quite a big change for everyone as we kind of address climate change so yeah technology is necessary but i don't think it's sufficient and i and i think it's time for both industry and policymakers to take inclusion 
more seriously. I think that is a fantastic point and not one that the, any guest has really gone to so far. So you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, food for thought. For, <laughs> for me, yeah, I'm just thinking, you know, reflecting on that right now. Um, that's a really interesting point. Um, Felicity, um, you've been in this industry all your career and you said at the start that, you know, you found a happy home right from yeah. the off. Um, this is something I like to ask everyone as a bit of a sort of the final big question. Um, if you were talking to your younger self who is wanting to get into um, the renewables industry, um, bearing in mind it's no longer 2008, but it's, it's definitely an interesting time right now. What, um, what piece of advice would you give to that younger person? I think, um, you know, when I graduated, I think I probably fell into the trap a bit of treating my job or career a bit like university. I think at university, you're, you're trained to be academic, to read, to research, to be analytical. And, and yes, those are really important skills. But I think if you're at the really cutting edge of innovation, which clean energy is like, you know, innovation is everywhere, um, or a field like electric vehicles, it's so fast moving that I think a lot of the most exciting stuff isn't written down in detail because it's still like happening and actually um you have to kind of piece together information from different sources and most importantly it's about speaking to people it really is about who you know and so i think if i was gonna step back in time i would probably gently nudge myself to get out there connect with more people in the industry um and really you know get get on top of exactly where those most exciting things were happening and and to be fair to you Stu this is one thing that you do brilliantly you create those events where people get together so um uh yeah be, be more like Stu maybe that's what I'd say oh <laughs> what well that's a very very kind and you've just teed up to let everyone know that the next retail drinks will be happening on the 16th of March in Bristol and there'll be lots of lovely people there so if you are listening to this old new young fresh long in the tooth come on down and let's have a good old chat um over some pizza on a balcony uh, in in Bristol in March um, yeah we'll see you there excellent um, Felicity that has been awesome thank you so much you've given um over some great knowledge and some really thought-provoking um comments as well so and um, we'd just like to thank you because I know you are super busy um, so giving up a little bit of space in your diary to have a chat this afternoon has been brilliant um, so thank you very much indeed thanks have a great day thank you